Welcome to episode 98 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Brucker, author of When the Church Burns Down, Counsel the Wedding, to discuss traveling after divorce. If you've just come out of a relationship and need some inspiration, this is the episode for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveler, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to another episode of the Girl About the Globe podcast. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Bracker, author of When the Church Burns Down, Cancel the Wedding. We're going to discuss her brand new book and stories of her post-divorce adventures around the world. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, congratulations on your brand new book that is out now. That must be such a sense of accomplishment. Thank you so much. It's it's my first book and it just came out a few weeks ago. So it is uh, quite a thrill for me uh, to be able to share my story. And, and thank you again for the opportunity to, to share it. Oh, you're welcome. I'm really excited to talk to you, actually, because I feel as though I resonate a lot with your story. So I feel like this interview is going to be really good. But what made you decide to share your story and write the book in the first place? Yeah, you know, it was it's quite an interesting journey that I had uh, as an author. Um, But what happened really was that after my divorce, I I discovered that I was accidentally living a kind of counter counterculture life. Um, What I found was that I was happily single and a solo adventurer. And I have this knack for finding joy in unexpected places. And what I would encounter on the road is I would I would meet people who seemed to expect something different from a single divorced woman. Um, I think people had this stereotype, you know, they would yeah. expect me to be home alone, crying into my cat. Um, and that is absolutely not me or not the life that I was leading. And I found that I was quite joyful and folks expected me to not be joyful. And I started doing some research and I realized that the single population in the world and particularly in the U.S. is is growing at exponential rates. It's a huge growing population. Um, And I started to think, gosh, if all of these single people felt more empowered to live their lives fully now, wouldn't that be amazing? And maybe I can help uh, more people see their lives full as they are, as, as opposed to waiting for a partner for their lives to become full. I love that because I'm also divorced as well. And I, I feel as though there's a lot of pressure in society for women to be partnered up. And if you're not partnered up, like you're saying, there's a kind of judgment. When you start creating your own path in life and you start to go out and have all these adventures, I think it's just really inspiring. And it's great that you want to share your story and also inspire others as well. Thank you so much. You know, it, I do. I, I feel exactly the same way from what you described. It seems like people are always expecting me to be on the hunt for a new partner. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the best. And I get a lot of people asking, why are you still single? And that word still, you know, it's it's uh, it makes that question less question, and more judgment. So I think it's possible to be happy in any state of life. And I, I really hope that maybe I can share that and, and help others see the possibilities. You seem really happy, actually. You come across as really joyful. Thank you. I am. <laughs> and, but when you actually wrote the book, because it's a memoir, I mean, obviously, with the, the story and what happened, was there an element of vulnerability when you were reliving those moments? Yes, absolutely. It's, um, it's kind of the, the challenge of writing a memoir is how personal is too personal, right? Yeah. Um, and 
I think that the area where I felt this the most was the the first chapter of the book, um, which is called Altars Ablaze. It, it sort of tells the story of, of the, the church fire and, and my wedding and also the split um, kind of all in one chapter. And the initial version of that chapter sort of glossed over the conversation that my now ex-husband and I had that sort of you know, ended our, our marriage. Um, and my editor just kept pushing me, you know, you need to write more about this. You need to share more about what happened. You can't that's not a detail you can kind of gloss over. And I resisted. I just felt like that was too much to to put out on paper and out into the world. And, and she insisted and I resisted. And we went on like this for a bit. And finally she won. And I, I sat down and, and wrote, you know, that conversation. And it was kind of an amazing experience, to be honest, like to sit in front of my computer and to relive that, you know, very painful moment Mm -hmm. um, ended up being one of the most cathartic experiences of my life. And even now, when I look back and I I read it, you can, you can feel that, you know, that the emotion uh, in that moment, but it's now not a part of me anymore, if that makes any sense. It's sort of out there, but it's not in me. And I feel like I healed by, by experiencing that. And I actually hope that when readers read it, they might also get a little bit of that from 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 the words. Yeah, so in a sense, it was a bit of closure for you as well. It really was. And and I feel like, you know, I, I guess I thought I had, you know, fully moved on from the experience, but I think that really was the moment when I felt like I had fully moved on from the experience. I think it takes a lot of courage to create your own path in life. Did you come across any resistance from society during your journey afterwards? I know you mentioned it a bit before. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there is this idea that one, when once you are you find yourself unpartnered, you should be sort of on a quest to repartner. Um, and it's you know this there's this idea that you know happily ever after looks one way, right? That you know it's a family and children and a partner, and and that may be true for many people, but there's also many people for whom it may not be true. And there also are people who are in the middle, maybe between stages of life. And my personal philosophy is that there's more than one way to be happy and that there's no one-size-fits-all model to a happy life. I I think we can be happy at any stage. um, And I think it's sort of a a question of realizing we have choices and making the choices that that make us as people the happiest. And and sometimes uh, we do run into some some challenges doing that, um, and some kind of societal perceptions. But it's really my my feeling that we all have a right to be happy wherever we are in life. Definitely. Was that part of your decision for moving to Italy? Because I know that you well, you describe yourself as a Renaissance woman living in a medieval Italian city. Did you find it easier to become, I guess, the, a newer version of yourself, being further away from your hometown? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, you know, the the kind of Europe bug bit me, I guess you could say, many years ago. I studied abroad when I was a university student. I studied in London. And, you know, living there for a semester and, and being, you know, so exposed and so close to history, um, the culture, the lifestyle differences, I, I was I was hooked from from you know back then and always wanted to make living in Europe a, a part of my life in the long term. But as it does in many cases. Life kind of got in the way, and uh, for many years that that just wasn't possible. But then after my divorce, you know, the initial period of you know after my divorce was quite quite challenging. But once I got myself back on the road and started re-exploring Europe, it sort of seemed like it might be the right time to to make a move. 
And for me, Italy uh, became the the place I wanted to focus on. My my family is Italian. Uh, all of my heritage is Italian, and I really wanted to explore that side of of my of my past. When you go through a divorce, you know you obviously lose the the partner, but you also lose the partner's family. And yeah. in many ways, for me, losing one family made me more focused on you know reconnecting with my own. And so, part of my desire to move to Italy was to actually be able to reconnect with my own culture and my own heritage, and to really more deeply understand that aspect of myself. Can you speak Italian? Or could you speak it before you moved there? No, when I showed up. <laughs> I couldn't speak any Italian at all, which was definitely an adventure. I speak much better now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. I mean, I, I personally think that takes a lot of courage again as well, is to move to a different country that's got a different native tongue to what you're used to. Because I, I moved to Spain and or I moved to Colombia and my Spanish was awful. I mean, it's still not great. But I just had the best adventures and it's just amazing how you can actually converse with people even when you don't really know the language, you know, just body language and tone. It gives you those, like you were saying earlier about the joy in life, it gives you those moments. Absolutely. It, it's so much, it's kind of amazing what you can communicate without actually speaking. Like there's mm -hmm. so much from body language and um, I feel like I've become an excellent charades player um, through this journey um, but you really can learn so much from people just by observing them um, but I, I've had some really kind of really hilarious like language snafus um, which you kind of just have to laugh at like one of my favorites uh, which is really embarrassing but it's so funny um, there's this I would call it a sandwich any Italian listening will be very offended but there's this um, panino called a cecchino that's very very popular in Tuscany and it's like a like focaccia and it's stuffed with various delicious things like prosciutto or tomato and really beautiful um, panino for lunch. And the word is cecchino. And I practiced and practiced and I was going to go to this pizzeria and ask for a cecchino with prosciutto. Um, so I walk into the to the pizzeria and I walk up to the counter and I order a cuscino with prosciutto, which is a cushion, a cushion with prosciutto, <laughs> not... <laughs> Not what I meant to say. And the poor person working at the shop just looked at me like, what is she saying? And then she just wagged her finger at me and was like, Chachino, repeat, Chachino. <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness, I couldn't even order a sandwich. But um, but it's those kinds of things you have to laugh at because you know, learning a language is such a journey and it's such a humbling journey. Um, but it's like when you things like that, it, it I probably made her laugh. I probably gave her a moment of joy that day. I certainly all my friends got a chuckle out of it. So um, hopefully your listeners will as well. But it was uh, quite it's been quite an adventure. Oh, and how are you finding life there now at the moment? You know, it's been it, it, it continues to be amazing. Like I, I, one of the things I always admired about Italian culture was the sense of community um, that I really uh, always believed was was here, and I've I've experienced that firsthand. Um, I think you know moving here, not really knowing anyone, not speaking the language, it's been kind of an incredible. Um, just how quickly I feel like I've become part of the community, and my, as my language skills have improved, that's certainly uh, been more and more possible. But you know, living here is just really remarkable. It's um, such a different um, mentality, such a different lifestyle, such a different perspective. Like I said, on community, it's been very, very fulfilling. Um, and you know, sometimes the universe works in, in amazing ways. But a dear friend of mine from my college is actually here, living in town, which is kind of incredible. Uh, and you're just—it's remarkable, isn't it? How how sort of the the world the, the dots get connected.
Yeah, I think it does though. I think because I believe in the universe as well, and I always kind of go wherever I feel guided to. And I think that when you listen to that and you're back in the flow of life, then things just fall into place for you, like magically, I think. I think when you're going against the grain, especially when you're not being the authentic version of yourself as well, things can be very challenging. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I absolutely think so. And it was like the this, the moment I made the decision to to move here, um, it, it seemed like the universe lined everything up to, to make that possible. And, you know, that was in the middle of kind of the heart of the lockdown um, for the pandemic that I kind of came to this conclusion I should come. So that was kind of an odd time to be planning a grand adventure. But it was kind of amazing. As soon as, uh, as, soon as it was possible, I, I came out here and um, haven't looked back since. Well, fantastic. Honestly, you just sound so happy. So I'm presuming that your your values in life are obviously joy. And what what are your other values in life? I think really, certainly um, freedom is probably the number one value, I think, for me in life. And, and joy, certainly. I think those two things are the things I value the most. Um, for me, I think there is nothing better than that sense of what is possible. Mm-hmm. And um for many years, I think I had lost that. Um, and certainly, you know, that post-divorce period was a very challenging period. But the journey towards rediscovery and the journey of understanding that possibilities exist, that process really changed me in a way now where I think I think I see possibility and I see joy and I see wonder around every corner, you know. And I think every experience can be an experience for joy. And uh, I'm always on the lookout. How did you cope post-divorce? Because you go through a grieving period, don't you, when you get divorced? You go through the the seven stages of grief, and it can be such a challenging time. Yeah, for me, I was, in the initial period after the divorce, I would say that I was very, very numb. It was almost just like I, I went to work every day, and I really don't have a lot of clear memories even of that period of time. I was just so numb. And then after the sort of numbness wore off, the bitterness set in. Um, That was not better. (laughs) I didn't enjoy being a bitter person. Um, And what I realized was that I needed to do something to sort of jumpstart a change. I didn't want to be bitter. Um, I didn't like the life that I had. I couldn't get my old life back. So I needed to do something, right, to make a change. And for me, that first step was really around travel my first ever solo international trip. Um, And that was sort of my way of saying, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm trying something different. Um, And I actually, I went to Amsterdam, which is a city I had always wanted to visit, but um, had never made it. Um, And I was terrified because it was my first ever solo trip. I had traveled in the past before, but always in groups or, you know, work trips, never a solo vacation. And it was a, quite frankly, I was terrified. And I'm, it's kind of funny because, well, I'm kind of a nerdy person. I love Excel and I love like data and things like that. So I built myself this massive Excel spreadsheet to like organize the trip details. And this gave me great comfort. And that I think is kind of what enabled me to be able to actually, you know, take that step and go. Um, And then when I got to Amsterdam, like I had this, I had had this idea that it would just be so hard, you know, as a woman traveling, everything would be difficult. And what I found was much to my surprise, that was not the case. Like it was actually not nearly as difficult as I had envisioned it would be. And in fact, there was this one day where I woke up to sunshine, which is not common in, uh, in Amsterdam. And I decided to take a walk to the city's famous flower market. Uh, And I was walking along 
um, the canal um, with these beautiful flowers and you know every color of the rainbow. These boats are sailing by in the canal, and it was just this magical, magical day. And I just remember feeling like so happy in that moment. And that was a feeling, you know, in this immediate post-divorce period that I hadn't had in a really long time. That sort of pure joy and happiness. And I realized it was because I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing. I was exactly where I wanted to be. And I did it. You know, I got myself there. Yeah. And it was in that moment when I started to realize that, you know, what more could I do? You know, I just had to sort of let myself try and maybe amazing things could happen. Yeah. So you found it very empowering to do your first international solo trip. Yeah, very, very empowering, very fulfilling. And um, I think at that, when I got back, what was interesting is when I got back to the U.S. after that trip, obviously my, my life hadn't changed, but my perspective had. And that was the thing that uh, I held on to because I think that's sort of the beauty and the power of travel, right? When you find yourself in a context that is not your home, it's almost like you can see yourself more clearly and your perspectives more clearly and maybe even your values more clearly. And that was just, I mean, I still get the chills thinking about that. That's the best thing I think about travel. Yeah. And you just learn to be okay with yourself, don't you? You just learn to embrace a lot of alone time and you really get to know yourself, I think, when you solo travel. You really get to know how how good you are at problem solving and just how much you can look after yourself, which is really important, I think, when you come out of a divorce and you've been used to being with somebody else for so long and then suddenly you're on your own again. And it's it's really daunting, I think. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's so daunting because there's so many things that suddenly seem, at least to me, suddenly seem overwhelming. It was so many things I had, I was now responsible for on my own. And I think you're right because no matter how well one plans for, for travel, there's always something that happens. <laughs> and when you, the more of these problems you solve, suddenly you re realize, wow, I can, I can do a lot of great things. Like I can solve a lot of problems. And then you sort of become more confident as a person. That's certainly been my experience. Yeah. As soon as you do it the first time, it just gives you that extra confidence, doesn't it? To, to continue. I think because I've traveled a lot, but even before every single trip, I, I get nervous and anxious and I think, can I do this? So I think it's just your, I don't know, your ego's way of keeping you safe and wanting to protect you from stepping into the unknown. But when you do step into the unknown, generally, it's not as bad as you've, your mind's built it up to be, is it? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. And I'm actually, I, I love hearing you say that because I also feel the same way. It's like every time I take a new trip or try something really new and out of my comfort zone, I have that moment of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And so it's nice to know I'm not the only one. <laughs> Do you have any more trips lined up or are you, are you just planning to stay in Italy now forever? <laughs> I would love to stay here. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I do, I, I always have more trips lined up. I, I kind of can't help myself. Um, but I, my favorite place in the world to travel is Santorini in Greece. So I, I go there. Now yeah. it's much closer than it used to be. So I do go there quite a bit now. And I'm loving exploring the different parts of Italy. There's there's so many parts to explore. Um, I think it's people tend to know the, you know, the main travel regions, but there's so many kind of undiscovered, at least to me, undiscovered gems. So that's been amazing to kind of poke around and, and learn more and, and practice my Italian more. 
but also um, coming up will be you know the Christmas markets, which in in uh, Northern Europe and Germany are quite amazing, and I, I love the festive season. So I might try to spend a little bit of time up north to see that as well. Oh, fantastic! What would you say to someone who was in a similar situation to you, and they've just come out of a marriage and then unsure of their next move? I think there's a couple things I would say. The first thing I would say to anyone coming out of a divorce or in kind of a suddenly single situation is that you'll be okay. Um, I think it's so jarring to kind of go, like what you were saying before, from having a, a partner on the journey to sort of going it alone. And I think sometimes it's it's hard to imagine that you will be okay, but you will. You'll definitely be okay and you'll be so much stronger for having had this experience. So that's that's the first thing I would say is know you'll get through this. And the second thing I would say is you know, try something different to reconnect to you. So what is the thing that you know, sparks joy in you, that lights you up, that, you know, that's just about you? Like, so for me, it's travel, but for different people, it's different things. And I would say, do that, connect with that thing. And just even a little bit, a little step. And I think once you start to rediscover your joy in small places, it becomes more possible to build on those small places and grow it into more of a kind of continuous feeling. And it takes time. It's definitely a journey and everyone's timing and process are different. But reconnecting with your own joy is is a great place to start. Oh, definitely. That's great advice. And I was the same as well, because travel was the thing that used to bring me joy before I was married. And that's why I just took off and just threw myself back out there again and just just went traveling because I knew that that was my happy place but it, I did face challenges because I went to challenging countries but I really grew out of that so I think like you're saying as well just just embrace it and just do something that that makes you happy yeah and there's I mean there's so many places to to find joy and there's so much so much to marvel at and wonder at in the world you know and I think I think somewhere along the journey, I had lost my sense of wonder. And then when I mm. refound it, like you can't, you, you, that's once you refine it, I think you don't lose it again. And um, just looking at the world with those types of eyes, I think um, it makes every day a joy. You know? Yeah, because you start to see it through a completely different lens, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think um, you know, sometimes life life throws curves, curveballs. It's sort of the nature, right? But it's um, it's sort of what we do with the curveballs we've been through. Own that that makes all the difference definitely and for somebody that doesn't know your story can you give us a brief synopsis of, of your book yeah so the book is actually um the title of the book is a little strange right when the church burns down cancel the wedding but that <laughs> is actually my life motto <laughs> because uh one week before i got married the church actually did burn down wow um, so, uh, I still got married. I moved the church, the wedding to a different church. Um, but it is kind of funny because back to what you were saying earlier about following the, the universe's guidance and kind of what happens when you do and what happens when you don't. Um, yeah, I probably should have realized that was a bit of an omen. Um, and then the kind of interesting point about that is that six years later, my ex and I split. Um, and it was a call from 1-800-Flowers, a U.S. flower delivery service that alerted me to the flowers he was sending to his then-girlfriend. So I feel like when the universe gives you a fire to start your marriage and an errant 1-800-Flowers uh, phone call to end it, you kind of have to write a book. So yeah. there is that. Um, <laughs> but the book really, it kind of takes on 
you know, this very t- the serious topic of you know, recovering from a divorce um, in a very lighthearted way. And, and it really tells about the adventures that I um, embarked on and the kind of process that I went through to refine my joy in life. And there's adventures certainly around the world, but also a little bit closer to home. How long did it take you to actually write the book just out of interest? It was actually kind of a, a long process. It was, I, I would start it and stop it. And I, you know, was working full time, uh, doing a lot of other things. So I, it was probably start to finish close to four years in, in terms of the writing process. But um, when I got to Italy is when I really buckled down and was like, I'm going to finish this. So um, the the kind of the, the meat of it was over the last, I would say, year and a half. But um, it was a good two and a half years before that since that the work actually began. So before we just start wrapping up, is there anything else that you would like to add about solo traveling in general or your book or any advice for people going through a divorce? I think that you know, the one thing I would want to say about solo travel is if you've been nervous to try it, like definitely give it a try. It's it's the most empowering thing in the world. And for me, just the freedom to choose when you travel, how you travel, what you do when you're on the the road is, is so remarkable and the learning that you get from the experiences, good and bad, is is really priceless. There's there's nothing like it and it's it's the best thing in the world. So if anyone's on the fence, just just try it. Even a short weekend trip, just try it and, and see. You might be surprised. So that's that's my my reflection on solo travel. And about the book, you know, for me, it's been a, a, a labor of love, a journey of love. Um, and I just really hope that when people read it, it brings them a little bit of joy and it brings people a little bit of hope and maybe even a little bit of inspiration to, you know, that, that things get better. And when something goes wrong, it doesn't mean that things, that the next right thing isn't just right around the corner, you know? So I really hope that that's, uh, that's the message people take away from it. There's joy to be found in all different ways of living. Oh, I love it. Thank you. I just think it's so inspiring. So where can people actually go to buy your book? They can buy it online wherever books are sold. So Amazon, um, barnesandnoble.com, um, and then in quite a few stores in the U.S., in-person bookstores. And then um, you can also feel free to go to my website, which is sarahbrockaauthor.com, um, and there's some links there for purchase. And I, I again, I hope, uh, I hope it inspires folks. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'll put a link to your website on the interview as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story, and I wish you every success and lots more solo adventures in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy speaking with you today. I hope that this interview has inspired you if you've recently been divorced or come out of a long-term relationship. If it has and you want to get your hands on Sarah's book, you can find out more on her website at sarahbrackerauthor.com and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.